You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Are you mature enough to be able to identify the difference between something falling apart versus something falling into place? Like, have you reached the spiritual and emotional capacity where you can identify, you know what, I see what's happening, but I also understand what's happening for me. I see what's happening around me, but I see what God's doing through me. I see what's happening to others, but I know that I'm protected. I see what, that I didn't quite land what I thought I was going to land. It didn't quite work out the way that I thought it was going to work out. But what I do know that is God's still working. Have you reached that pinnacle of spiritual and emotional maturity? I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. Uh, up until this conversation, I have not. And God gave me a real quick course (laughs) and making sure that I excelled in this before I went any further. And I get it. I saw the way that God led the Israelites as we read the first Old Testament chapters of the Bible. Right. And I seen that uh, he is very, very meticulous and he means business and he really wants to ensure that you are more ready than ever before you receive the place that is ready for you. Like the blessing has already been established. The person that he wants you to marry has already been born. You don't have to wait for the fourth generation to come out. (laughs) It's not an iOS update that you're waiting on. Like whatever it is that he assigned to you, it has already been placed. It's already been positioned. But he is more focused on are you going to be prepared when I appoint you there? If not, then uh, the blessing won't be a blessing at all. It will be presented as a burden because you don't have what it takes to carry it. And more than anything, any good teacher knows that I'm giving you this assignment because I know that I prepared you for it. it, Whether you were paying attention throughout the semester or not, it's completely and utterly on you. But I know that I had a particular uh, plan And I had a particular set of uh, skills that I was making sure that throughout this semester I was exposing you to, that I gave you, you know, little pop quizzes and little reminders. And I even gave you a hint, hint, a little nudge inwardly to let you know this may or may not be on the test. And so that when you are confronted with the things that challenge you, uh, I know what your emotions say, but what you definitely cannot say logically and spiritually is that you were not made to be prepared for this. I had a situation occur that really kind of just gave me an entirely different perspective. And it probably will be one of the things that I carry with me for the rest of my life. I was severely disappointed. I know I told you in another conversation that I had pitched an idea and did some other things and spoke to some executives and uh, I landed a meeting and it was the end of the day on Friday at two and I was like oh you know it's kind of scary why they said it's so late you know what's going to happen and to give you just a precursor when I had a discussion to initially pitch the idea I spoke about two particular items one was the restructuring of a certain department that I wanted to go ahead and support and the other was the compensation that I felt that was due to me The person that I was speaking to looked at me and shook their head with "Mm mm-hmm agreement, both nonverbal and verbally, and let me know and literally said the following phrase, and I quote, 
you have brought great value to this department and it's time that we capitalize on that, end quote. So when I walked away from having that conversation, being bold enough to even get off the boat, right, and have that conversation that no one else was probably going to be more who else is going to do it but me? Listen, Bible says you have not because you ask not. And one thing I'm not going to do is keep my mouth shut because you don't get full that way. So I went ahead and walked away from that meeting like, oh, like excited. Like you have no idea. And then the meeting was set to follow up with my initial pitch three weeks later for several different reasons, scheduling, what have you, but I wasn't expecting to be that late. I knew it would be sometime during that particular week, why it was a Friday, why it was the end of the day on a Friday. I have no idea. But around Monday and Tuesday, I started getting this eerie feeling in my stomach. And I was like, something is wrong. And I just felt I my spirit was just letting me know and giving my soul a warning, just saying, hey, it's probably not going to work out the way that you want. I need you to go ahead and just deal with that portion of it. But I need you to not give up your hope. Because the thing about being hopeful is that people put it on a contingency. And so you go from hopeful to hopeless because of the fact that you anchored your hope in someone else's reaction or an outcome of an external situation. And so once I knew that, I was like, okay. So I went through all the rigmarole. I felt wrong. I was. I called up a particular friend of mine. She's like, no, I think God's going to surprise you. You know, God said. And again, it's a beautiful thing when you have people around you that know to go to scripture for you. But what I knew was that what I was feeling was real, uh, that I felt like God knows me well enough that, and I think he knows each of us on how we're actually customized, right? And he knows that I don't like being surprised. And so I think that he allowed me to go through the proverbial mourning stage of what I thought was going to come out of this particular meeting. And so Wednesday, I went to sleep literally for the day at 730. I was exhausted and I was trying to keep my eyes open. <laughs> like I really was like, it felt like midnight. It was like, Ooh, this is a lot. I was struggling past seven o'clock. It, it was looking real because the emotional exhaustion that I was feeling, it literally felt like, listen, you need to go to bed. Like, I feel like God treated me like the prophet Elijah and was like, lay down, get something to eat. And I need you to go to sleep because you are really just like, it's okay. But I had to deal with that. So come Thursday, I felt way better, way hopeful, but I still knew that I needed to guard myself for whatever was going to happen on Friday. So I literally did what all of us should do. And I went to God and I said, so give me my role because I watched Jesus. And sometimes he was letting people know he was confronting people when they just had thoughts. It was like, why do you say that? <laughs> and he was dealing with that. And then some other times he was flipping over chairs and another time, you know, tables and another time he was doing. So I seen that Jesus was reacting differently in different circumstances. But when it came down to Pilate and he was like, yo, or pilot, however you pronounce that name. And he was like, so they said that you said you the king of Jews. And Jesus was like. You said it. Ooh, Jesus, this is not the time to be fresh, sir. <laughs> you getting real witty with it. I never seen you get witty with it. You getting witty with it. No, 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 no. Like, I never seen you do that. And so I asked God, I said, give me the posture that I need to have for this meeting. 
He said, cool, what I want you to do is I want you to go in there and say nothing. Because I feel like what we do is when something's coming up and we don't have enough um, information, we start trying to rehearse it. Like, okay, so they're going to say blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to be like, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm going to bring up the facts and I'm going to do my research. And we, and I think we we don't understand that going into that mode, why it may seem analytically and logically sound, what it really is is you diving headfirst into doing anything that looks like work of the flesh because you're trying to soothe your emotions. And what you really need to do is tap into your spirit and say, God, I need you to lead me and guide me the way that Psalm 23 says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Not me looking up information, not me doing additional research, not me pulling up facts, not me reminding them of whatever. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So while I'm trying to look for the comfort levels in different external things, while I'm trying to go ahead and prove myself, that is not thy rod and thy staff. And if that's the only thing that's going to comfort me, then I'm going to put this book down, I'm going to put this pen down, I'm going to put this computer down, I'm going to put all my knowledge down and I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, go ahead and just comfort me, please. Because the lack of knowing was in this valley of the shadow of death. The lack of knowing what's going to happen at this table when I sit down. The lack of knowing all the things that I, I should or should not bring or that I should or should not know. It is exhausting me and all I want to do is be comforted. So if that is thy rod and thy staff, then do what you do, God, and I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. Do you understand that? And so that's what he had me, feeling emotional Monday, feeling emotional Tuesday, feeling emotional Wednesday. He was like, come here, shut her down. Yes, sir. And so I went ahead and went to bed, you know, like like my teacher called. I got in trouble. I went home and went to bed after the beating. It's nothing. And Friday had the meeting and went in there and did exactly what God told me to do. He told me to listen. And can I be honest with you? It was something to sit there and hear people speak to me in a octave, uh, alluding to things, saying things to me as I'm like, did y'all have a conversation about something that I wasn't privy to? Why are you talking to me? Like as if we had this conversation for the fifth time and this sixth time you're speaking to me in a tone that very much sounds like I'm not going to tell you again, ma'am, you didn't tell me a first time. So why are we having this conversation? And didn't I speak to you three weeks ago? And it was a totally, bro, either you Jekyll and Hyde with it, or this is just really, really uh, uncomfortable because God wants to get my attention. Because I know for a fact, uh, who you talking to, number one, because uh, that's how I feel because I'm from New York, Europe. And uh, number two, bruh, who you talking to? Because I live in Georgia now. <laughs> okay. Um, and so that was what was happening. And I said a few things. And then the question was asked, like, do you have anything else you need to say? Nothing. I mean, if you have something, none. And I learned the beauty of holding your peace to keep your peace because y'all going to have to go ahead and um, fight <laughs> with God. I'm not going to hold you. I don't have anything to say. My daddy told me don't say nothing. Um, I'm not telling y'all no passcodes. I'm not telling you where I live. I'm not telling you nothing. Cause my daddy said he finna deal with you. But when I walked away from that meeting, severely disappointed, uh, you know how you get that feeling that you just want to kind of like, yo, all I want to do is, kind of going fetal right now because it's the most soothing thing I could do uh, in the physical realm. I did that. And then I think a couple of hours later, I'm not going to hold you. Um, I think a couple of the 
tears, you know, a little thug passion. Um, something happened in my eye area where it was washing my face and, like, maybe something on my cheeks. I couldn't really give you uh, the full, I don't know, I wasn't keeping account of it. And then so I kind of just expressed, like, but I couldn't put it into words. I just knew that that was severely disappointing. And then the next morning, I was like, okay, uh, hmm, deal, put the emotions aside and let's deal with this. What are the variables that you have to deal with? Number one, this is a company that I no longer want to do business with. I'm clear. Uh, out of anything that I can stand for, the one thing that I absolutely need as a work criterion is uh, integrity and trust. Yeah, I need you to do what you said you were going to do. If you're not going to do it, I don't want you to say it. But more importantly, I need you to be able to see the value in a thing, and I need you to see it through when you say that you're going to add value to a thing that's adding value to you, especially if the performance and the work ethic surpasses what you've experienced uh, however many personnel employees ago, okay? That's number one. Number two, I had to admit that it felt some kind of way to feel like somebody swung on me in front of everybody and I didn't say anything. So that was a little ego checked. But more importantly, I can tell you this, it lit a fire in me like that has never been lit before. After I got my mind right and buttoned up my shirt straight and was like, all right, dust your knees, kid. It's okay. They took your bike. It's nothing. And they told you you was going to get a bigger one and it never came back. That's cool. Uh, Caught my homegirl because you need to know who the midwife is for that particular problem. Not everybody can coach you through birth and something. Do you understand that? Need you to be very clear. You need to go to God and say, listen, this particular problem this particular situation that I'm on the brink of I need you to show me who's going to assist me on the to get to the other side and he'll show you that so I called that particular person and she was like so this is what you're going to do <laughs> since they did it black and white you're going to do it black and white too but you're going to go ahead and and the way that she was able to navigate through that with ease and possibly because of experience but more so because God knew how to speak to me through her uh it was nothing short of a divine intervention and more than getting my way or having something appear and conclude the way that I've wanted to, the major way that you can bless me is uh, just making the path clear. Just give me clarity because with this clarity, there's peace and with this peace, there's understanding. And what I understand now is that it's a wrap. <laughs> I, uh, we, we don't need, I don't need to pitch another idea. I don't need to have a part two conversation. I don't need to do any of that. I'm going to do exactly what I need to do for the rest of, the time that I am there and then God's going to elevate me to go to the to the next level that's just how that goes because sometimes uh, unfortunately uh, according to mm, on behalf of your disappointment what God is really doing is giving people a second chance to do right by you God is literally opening up the door forging and fashioning together a particular situation and literally allowing someone to use their free will to do the right thing for the first time. And so when they don't do it that way, it's like, ah, see, Pharaoh, you could have went ahead and let the people go just by letting them go because that's what God asked you to do. But now we got to do it the hard way when now you chase them and then you see them cross the Red Sea. So you try and then you die doing something that God never anointed you to do. Hmm? 
Right. So, I, unfortunately, uh, in that situation with the Red Sea, the Israelites had to be a little bit scared. Because if you read that part of Exodus, they were like, <laughs> they felt small. Pharaoh was swarming in the chariots and the charioteers. And they were like, oh, no, like, was there not enough graves in Egypt that, that we had to die out here? And so uh, on behalf of their fear, on behalf of them feeling small, on behalf of them feeling petrified, uh, God had to go ahead and say, I, I apologize that it's on behalf of your emotions. But I tried to give old buddy the, you know, the try to give him the heads up or at least the benefit of the doubt to say, OK, you're going to do right by them. You're going to leave them alone. Um, you didn't do that. So what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to lead my children and my people to a land of milk and honey and have it where they always got to look over their shoulder because of you. So what I will do is as I'm leading them, I will go ahead and end this relationship, even if it means killing you. Yeah. Like, that's how serious your dad is about you. Do you understand that? Like, that, that's how real it gets. If you think that I'm going to give my kids something and have them looking over their shoulder because you may potentially try to go ahead and threaten what I gift them with, you don't know who I am. I'm sorry. That's why I just feel like God is saying in that moment. And so I got clear. And clarity brought an understanding, and an understanding brought peace. And I was just extremely thankful and God was like, I need you to understand that if ever, whenever this happens again, because as long as you're on earth, you're going to come up to some you know, situations and things that may look like disappointing. But I want you to always understand that being disappointed doesn't mean that I no longer appoint you somewhere. It does not mean that I, that I forgot where I'm, I'm taking you. It does not mean that it's a lot of things you can be disappointed in, but just understand that it did not delay what God is taking you. The plan and the goal remains the same. Just the vehicle of transportation to get there may change. That's all. It's like riding your bicycle to get somewhere. Then it starts raining. You're disappointed that now you can't, you know, ride your bike the rest of the way. And God is like, it's okay. Uh, That's what I make cars for. And then you get in the sedan and, you know, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm protected from the rain now. So you don't have that disappointment. But now you come in into like major snowstorms. And you're like, yo, my car is getting stuck. It's okay. That's why God made trucks. So now you get out the car and you get in the truck. And you see what I'm saying? Like it continued to change. It continues to shift. But the goal is to always take you to your end destination, whatever it was you were supposed to get through. The forms of transportation can change. And just because you didn't see it changing doesn't mean that God didn't already provide provision for it. So what we need to do is we need to tell our emotions to catch up to God's provision. And when things are happening and it's shifting and it doesn't look the way that you thought, you need to remind yourself, it's okay. God prepared for that. It's okay. God prepared for that. You don't know that there's a ram in a bush. You don't know that the Red Sea is about to split. You don't know, but it's okay. And whenever something's happening to me in the natural realm, you know I'm always going to take it to the spiritual realm, right? I said, uh, who out of all the people <laughs> that I can think of, Holy Spirit, uh, who understands the essence and the epitome of being disappointed? He was like, Joseph. I said, bro, you are correct. Yes, you are, sir. He said, mm-hmm. go ahead and read um, Genesis 40. I said, oh, Right. The one with the dreams. He was like, yep. And you know, I read from the NOT version, right? I'm gonna go ahead and um, I got to read the whole thing. 
because it speaks truly to the essence of what I was experiencing. And I, I just, I want the Holy Spirit to minister this to you as if he was ministering to your own customized, personalized situation. And I pray that everything that was trying to disappoint you, that you actually break free and understand that there's a purpose for it. <laughs> it it's a reason for it. So let's go ahead and read about Joseph in the two dreams. So Genesis 40, chapter 1, or verse, yeah, verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Two, Pharaoh became angry with these two officials. Three, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. Four, they remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. Five, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. Six, when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Seven, why do you look so worried today? He asked them. Eight, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Nine. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. Ten. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. Eleven. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. And then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Twelve. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Thirteen. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. Fourteen. And please remember me and do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. 15, for I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. 16, when the chief barrier saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. 17, the top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. 18. This is what the dream means, Joseph told them. The three baskets also represents three days. 19. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. 20. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. And he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. 21. Then he restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. 22. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. 23, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Here's my thing about this chapter. One, when you are assigned to someone or someone's assigned to you, 
a great representation and a indicator of great leadership is that someone can check the temperature of you and never, ever, ever have to speak verbally to you. The fact that Joseph was such a good steward in his leadership that he was able to just tell by looking at someone, you're worried. Yeah, how you looked last Tuesday is not how you look this Tuesday. Your posture has changed. Your work ethic has changed. You're coming in later. You're not dressing the same. Your hair, you usually are on point with A, B, and C, with deadlines, whatever it is, E or the above, and I'm noticing a change. The number one indicator to great leadership is can you tell change even if subtle? So the fact that Joseph, and even in a situation that wasn't ideal for him, he didn't ask for it. He didn't know it was coming up. That's the last place that he should be. He still exercised great stewardship of of being a leader over people, even in the place of prison. And so the fact that it was, why do you look so worried today, means that he noticed you don't usually look like this. And the beauty of it was he didn't delay And letting them know, I can do a thing, but I'm going to let you know that this is coming from God, right? That you still hear from God in unideal places, Joseph. Like, hats out, tip my hat, shouts out to you, bruh. Tip my hat all the way. And so he went ahead and he gave the meanings, right? And it was like, oh, okay, that's dope. But the fact that Joseph asked what? In 14. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you mention me to pharaoh so he might let me out of this place bruh i just told you and i went ahead and solved an issue for you that you were worried about nobody else was able to do that for but me through the holy spirit and god anointing me to do that right and i'm going ahead and i'm letting you know when you get your freedom don't forget about me i I did my part in making sure that you was good just make sure that i'm good i'm not asking you to buy me nothing i'm not saying go go ahead and just give me some real estate real quick i'm not saying yo hook me up with such and such i'm asking you to free me from someplace that i know that i'm not supposed to be and this whole entire chapter ends by saying pharaoh's chief cupbearer however forgot all about joseph never giving him another the thought isn't it amazing that when someone gets what they came from from to get from you that they forget all about you bro you forgot I was the one that was carrying this particular unit you forgot that when you were down you were the one calling me for money you forgot that when you didn't have anyone to speak to and you didn't feel supported that you were crying to me you forgot that when you didn't have the support system and the help that you thought you wanted that you can count on me and now that you get to a level the level that I literally supported you to get to because if you're calling me and you're leaning on me then I was the step that you needed to get to the stage but now that you're on the stage you forgot the very steps that help you get there wow Wow, broski. (laughs) Okay, cool. You know what the real disappointing part is? Is that the very next chapter, chapter 41, it starts off by saying two full years later. Bro, that's not the SpongeBob you want to hear. Two years later. That is not what you want to hear. And it's a shame because it took for a repeat to happen for someone to even go ahead and remember Joseph. It took for now Pharaoh to have a dream that troubled him and to go through all the rigmarole once again. And then look at this in in chapter 41. I'm going to go to verse 39. Then, um, matter of fact, what does it say this? Okay, so finally the chief went ahead and was like, ooh, I made a mistake. Um, There was somebody that can actually go ahead and do this, and I was supposed to remember, buddy, but I didn't. And so now I feel a little bit embarrassed. So let me go ahead and um, 
tell him that Joseph can go ahead and do it. So Joseph went ahead and did what God anointed him to do once again and told Pharaoh what his dream meant. And now look at verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you clearly, no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. 40. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. 42. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Ow, he Rockefeller. Uh, 43. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command and wherever joseph went the command was shouted kneel down so pharaoh put joseph in charge of all of egypt 44 and pharaoh said to him i am pharaoh but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of egypt without your approval man let me tell you something <laughs> and i'm gonna go down to 46 real quick he was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of pharaoh the king of egypt and when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. Let me explain something to you. Here you are disappointed because um, people who are on your level didn't remember you. Here you are disappointed because, yo, you asked them to go ahead and just put you on. You didn't even ask them for no money. You didn't even ask them to be there the same way that you were there for them. But you know what? The Bible clearly indicates that I don't care how long it takes. It could be a whole 24 months after, <laughs> 365 days times two. You understand? Um, God will go ahead. If he set it up for someone to go ahead and have the opportunity to, to do right by you he was set it up for it to happen again he let them boys have a, a a dream that troubled them and joseph did what joseph did through the grace of god and so he was like all right you forgot about my boy let me go ahead and, and have somebody else be troubled but this time i'm gonna make it um worth your trouble the fact that it took 24 months for people to even remember you what i'm going to do is make it where you are second in command of this entire land so what you need to understand is get ready because your disappointment is appointing you to higher levels. You understand? I need you to go ahead and get in your spirit. I know it may not feel good now. I cannot imagine what Joseph felt like sitting there like, bruh, one month later, two months later, three months, bruh, 24. How many happy New Year's? How many more? Oh, Merry Christmas. How many more? Like, I don't want to celebrate nothing. It seemed like I'm doing right. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. I was trying to do right by my brothers. They sold me to slavery. I'm in these, I tried to do right by Potiphar, but his wife lied on me. As all these situations keep happening to me, how come things keep happening to me and happening to me and I'm doing the right thing and I didn't do nothing to afford these situations to happen to me. But what you need to understand is that it's all in alignment. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Oh, no, you very much needed your brothers to go ahead and betray you, Joseph. You very much needed for Potiphar's wife to go ahead and set that up so now you're in jail now. You very much needed all of this. You needed everything to fall apart. But it actually was falling into place. It was falling into place. Bruh, how else would you have gotten to this immaculate role, the second in command? What education Joseph had? 
What clout did he have? <laughs> Who did he know? What networking? What was his LinkedIn looking like? What was his education looking like? What, what accolade would have drove him there? Nothing. He literally needed for God to go ahead and create some problems that only he can resolve so that they can see that there's no one else that's going to fulfill this role the way that he would. Man, listen, I need you to yo. I'm getting close. Listen, turn me up in your phones. I need you to understand. I need you to understand. It is not falling apart. It's falling into place. That everything is not happening to you. It is happening for you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I need you to go. I need you to literally get to the pit of their soul and remind them through the spirit that God is still working, that it is not over, that you are not forgotten about. Your age has nothing to do with it. I don't care what the doctors say. God is still working. God is still working. God is still working. You just got to believe it. And at the right time, it will be done. In due season, baby. In due season. Do you understand? He don't fail. He does not fail. It may look like he's taking the along. Like, bro, why you taking? You taking the back road to get to the. Yeah, it's okay. Because there's some training ground I'm going to need you to go ahead and get. Because you don't have the school part, right? So I, where people may trump you in accolades, I'm going to fill you with experience. Well, I'm going to go where people may go ahead and get their certifications and their extra whatever comma after their name. I'm going to go ahead and make it that you are so uh, street sound that logically and the way that you analyze something, they can't they can't hold a candle to you, a match to you, ma'am, sir. Like I got you. I need you to close your eyes. Literally. This is my challenge to you. I need you to close your eyes. And remind yourself, something is happening that I don't see. So I cannot pay attention to what I do see. The external will not scare me for what I know is eternally working for me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you understand that? There is something that God is doing that you cannot see. I need you to just know it. I don't want you to sense it. I just want you to know. And if you ever forget, I want you to revisit reading about Joseph. Who would have known that going that elongated way from 18 would have landed him being literally the CEO of a company? You don't know what God's doing, but you know that he's doing you don't know where you're land, but you know it's going to be a place of authority. Because um, one thing God is clear on, everybody who counted you out is going to have to count on you at some point. And I want you to carry that humbly. Not like, yeah, y'all going to need me. No, I don't want you to do that because that character doesn't um, get the blessing. I want you to have the character of if it's happening to me in the dark, then God is going to put me somewhere in the light that people are going to have to count on me. All I need you to do is have the right character that will sustain that blessing. That's all. That's all. Nothing else. Get your instructions from God and make sure your character looks a lot like Jesus. Do you understand that? All right. Listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are, don't you? 
Because you should at this point. Oh, okay. They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl, okay? Listen, it's okay to be disappointed because you're human, but because you are a spirit being, I need you to understand that you being appointed to a higher place has not been forgotten. I cannot wait to see what the end result is of my personal disappointment um, from that meeting on Friday. I cannot wait to share that with you. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for myself. And I'm excited that we are beginning to dismantle the very thing that the enemy used to use to cripple us. And that's the biggest thing, the biggest way to be a threat to the enemy. Dismantle the thing that used to cripple you. Listen, we on our way. You understand? But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later, okay? All right. Later.